0: Join us now for Education Matters, a weekly look at the real people and real stories in education across North Carolina.
1: Welcome to Education Matters, presented by the Public School Forum of North Carolina. I'm Keith Poston. The North Carolina General Assembly is currently exploring the possibility of breaking up the state's largest school districts through a new study committee created last year. There is also a bill that would allow two communities outside Charlotte, Mint Hill and Matthews, to create a system of separate public charter schools for their residents. This week we are exploring what's next for these efforts and the possible impact on school districts, students and the state. Before we tackle our main topic, we open with headlines a quick scan of education headlines across North Carolina and the U.S armed volunteer school resource officers will soon be placed in elementary schools in stanley county and pending approval by the school board in all schools in rockingham county the state law allowing armed volunteers has been on the book since 2013 but is only now being put to use following the school shooting in parkland florida the state's four largest districts wake county charlotte mecklenburg guilford county and winston-salem forsyth county all say they are not considering armed volunteers. It is unclear what the new House School Safety Committee may recommend. Teacher shortages and recruitment challenges are affecting school districts across the state. This is according to data out of the Department of Public Instruction. But these shortages are most felt most acutely in rural areas and in particular Eastern North Carolina. The most recent data shows that four of the five districts with the highest teacher vacancy rates in the state are located in eastern North Carolina, with all five districts in rural communities. Finally, the recent teacher walkouts in West Virginia over low pay and school funding have now spread to Oklahoma, Kentucky, and Arizona. In West Virginia, educators stayed out for nine-tenths days before winning a pay raise. In Arizona, teachers are threatening to strike unless the state gives them a 20% salary increase. In Kentucky, educators shut down at least 20 school systems last Friday to protest changes to their pension plans. It remains to be seen whether the teachers in Oklahoma, Arizona, and Kentucky will get what they want from their state governments, but it certainly bears watching. Remember, you can visit the Public School Forum's website at ncforum.org and read more about each of these headlines as well as the other topics we cover each week. Now, as I said at the top of the show, a new legislative study committee created last year by the General Assembly has been meeting over the last few weeks, including this week, exploring the possibility of breaking up the state's largest school districts. To talk about it, we have representatives from those areas. We have, first, we have Monica Johnson-Hostler. Monica is the chair of the Wake County School Board, the Wake County Board of Education. And next to her is Representative Chaz Beasley. Uh, uh, Representative Beasley, in his first term in the General Assembly, represents Mecklenburg and parts of Charlotte. So let me talk to you a little bit about, about the bills themselves. They were introduced um, last year in the General Assembly, both by Representative Bill Brawley, one of your uh, a Republican colleague from Charlotte. Uh, to set up a uh, committee to study breaking up large school districts. And there was also one, a separate bill around uh, Matthews and Mint Hill to create separate charter districts. So I guess my first question, I'll ask you first, Monique, is um, where is all this coming from? I mean, where is this activity? Is there, You're the you're the, ch- you're the chair of the school board, I'm guessing the public um, isn't shy about letting you know what their concerns are. Is this something you've been hearing from them?
2: We haven't. I mean, so, of course, we have lots of things that we hear from the public and parents about in Wake County, as do my colleagues across the state. Um, Being the largest school district, I would say the largest things that we hear is about assignment, but assignment should not be equated with breaking up the district. And so that's not language we've heard from our constituents in Wake County. It's definitely language we've heard from your colleagues at the General Assembly.
1: Well, uh, Representative Bezos, I mean, uh, I guess the same question from you. I mean, you're you're obviously, you know, new to the General Assembly. All your legislators are out talking to constituents. You talk to your colleagues. I mean, is this, um, again, where did this all sort of come from? It it just sort of feels like uh, it just sort of came out of nowhere in a lot of ways.
0: I think this is a prime example of what happens when there is a bit of a disconnect between the parents and the people who are in positions of power. Uh, I have not heard from many of my residents, many of the people who are in my district, which is actually really close to Matthews and Mint Hill, although it does not include those two towns. And what we have heard is that everyone wants their kids to get the best education that they possibly can, and that that does not necessarily mean breaking up CMS into smaller units or allowing for a first of its kind, one of its kind charter school system within and managed by municipalities. So I think we have to keep in mind that when all these projects are coming up, when all these ideas are coming up, you have to get the parents involved early and that they in, that deserve a real choice and a real uh, part of their voice to be heard in these
1: kinds of decisions. All right. Now, um, um, as have you been talking to our I guess you would say the Wake County, where we record the show in Wake County, the delegation, there are members, Representative Chris Malone is one, who's on that actual committee about school. What are they telling you? And I guess more importantly, what are you telling them?
2: I think probably more importantly what we're telling them. Um, I, I respect the, my colleagues and your colleagues on Joe Street that they, their job is to... Tell us what the bill is and then get our feedback so as you can imagine we've done a great job I believe in giving them all the information of why Wake County is a great district the way it is and several of those choices I think are most important to highlight as you just mentioned representative that parents have choice in Wake County and I think regardless of some of the things that parents may not be especially happy with they're happy with the quality of the education that we are providing to students in Wake County and they're also at least happy that we have a process where we get parent feedback Um, so I always tell people, we may not give you the answer you want, but the process is an open process and it's very much so our constituents and parents are a part of it. And our choice program is one of the best programs um, possible, I believe, in the state. I mean, We can look at our county and see that we are maintaining, we're still one of the best magnet school programs in the country. And so I think our accolades speak for us, but more importantly, none of us on our Wake County Board of Education are resting on our laurels. We're continuously engaging our community to how do, how do we strengthen the places where we may not be as strong. and. The eyes of parents and students, Um, but also we continue to have the dialogue with our community at large, even for those citizens who don't have students. We are very clear in Wake County that the largest number of our constituents actually don't have students in our community. And I think that's what we've also been encouraging the Wake County delegation is constituents with with or without students, we've engaged them in this conversation, in this process, and we've given them the information of here's what's efficient, here's based on the data that's been received in this committee, here's where there would be inefficiency in Wake County. If you broke it up, and then we've also had the conversations with our municipalities of what the impact would be if this.
1: Right. Well, you moved. you you, that you raise it, uh, efficiencies and inefficiencies. There are really a couple of threads that I've been seeing, and in, in both in the, at the committee hearings and the, in the coverage about it. One is that it doesn't sound like um, that it's going to lead to efficiencies. In fact, the opposite. That the breaking up large districts would actually cost more. Uh, and the other one is um, concerns about. Um, Resegregation. I mean, look, our schools are already moving, um, b- becoming more segregated by race and by class. Charlotte-Mecklenburg has been an area that was sort of at the forefront uh, as, for integration kind of going in the opposite direction. What are your thoughts, I guess, on those couple of fronts?
0: Well, this week is the 50th anniversary of the loss of Martin Luther King and his assassination. Unfortunately, what we are seeing is that the numbers bear out, that we are just as segregated as when we lost Martin Luther King, and that is a really sad fact that we have to address. The reality is, this is a study bill, and oftentimes in the General Assembly, when there's a study bill, I support them. The reason why I didn't support this study bill to break up districts is because there's actually a very large amount of study and data and research on this issue already, and almost every one that you see says that there is a major problem with resegregation, and there's also a major problem with student outcomes. You see that the haves end up getting a little bit more, but the have-nots end up losing a lot more. And so we need to make sure that in these types of ideas that we look at what has already been done, because many of these questions have already been answered, and unfortunately the answer is not breaking up our school districts.
1: Right, now let me ask you, Monika, the um, Wake County specifically, I mentioned Charlotte Mecklenburg seen as a national leader in integration. 20 years ago. Wake County, up until very recently, maybe uh, 10 years ago, was also, you mentioned magnets. You talked about magnets. That was Wake County's sort of uh, uh, really golden ticket, if you will. They sort of said, we're going to use our magnet programs to integrate our schools and it'll make them places that folks want to go. And it worked. We've kind of moved away from that in Wake County. Does um, that I mean, is it no longer a priority? Uh, is it something that we need to, as the chair of the Board of Education, you want it to be more of a priority?
2: I would say that our board believes that Magnet is still our largest priority. It's interesting, you know, it's the anniversary of the assassination of Martin Luther King, Jr. It's also for us, we continue to remind ourselves, we have a video that we keep showing um, of where Wake County and how we became the Wake County public school system. And so you spoke to what the integration looked like. Magnet is what brought Wake County public schools together in 1976, when indeed the General Assembly agreed to actually, from their seats on Jones Street decide that we would be a merged public school system. And so I think the irony of that is worth stating. And so the magnets, while it's still our priority, we also realize, From 43 years ago, Wake County is no longer the exact same dynamics in terms of size, geography, but also the size of our municipalities in Wake County. So while we still believe that it's a huge draw, and we still see from all corners of our district students coming to our magnet schools, which, as you stated, was our golden ticket, I believe it's still the ticket. What we have to do is also... Realize that our infrastructure of driving to our inner inner uh, Raleigh schools is quite frankly one of the largest barriers, and right. we continue and we to s- push transportation. Yeah,
1: and we see that in Charlotte too. Well, let me ask you: We've only got a, about a minute or so left. Wake County is the largest school district. Uh, Charlotte's the second largest. Why wasn't Wake County uh, uh, invited to uh, speak before this committee? I would seem like an obvious choice if you're the largest district to sort of talk about it, but you haven't been. We
2: speaking. haven't been asked. We actually asked to be asked so that we could speak about our district. I mean, I would have to be, you know, guessing why we weren't asked, but what I would clearly say is one of the folks who were involved in merging our school district is oftentimes when we're talking about these things. we. We say that we're talking about what research and data shows us, but these are really emotional decisions. And okay. I believe the chair is Representative Brawley, who represents the Charlotte area and not Wake County. And I think that may be, quite frankly, one of the simplest ways to say that we weren't asked, but we're here. To well, discuss we're going
1: to we're going to keep talking about this in, in our next segment. But uh, thank you both for being here. We're going to watch. There's a more a, a meeting today, and then uh, maybe some more. They have to do. I think Chaz, what May 1st is when the deadline is. Correct. Uh, the, the committee will sim- submit its report. So thank you both for being here. When we come back, we're gonna continue our discussion with an attorney with a great deal of experience in the subject, including a case pending before the North Carolina Supreme Court. But see if you can answer this question. In 1988, 43% of black students in the South attended schools that were majority white schools. By 2011, what was that percentage? Welcome back to Education Matters. Did you correctly answer D, 23%? That's right, the percentage of black students in the South that attend schools with at least 50% white students fell from 43% to 23% between 1988 and 2011. And recent studies show some school systems in the South, and actually Representative Beasley mentioned that earlier, are more segregated by race and class than they were in the 1960s. Now, we're going to continue our discussion about breaking up school districts. And joining us, we have an attorney, Mark Dorison. Mark is the co-director of the Julius L. Chambers Center for Civil Rights. Um, and as I mentioned in the uh, the intro, you've got, um, uh, I think, some unique experience in this topic um, uh, with a case that you're working on. And I do want to talk about that, about Halifax County. But let's just talk talk about this, this, sort of the overall um, uh, look. You've been watching what the discussion in the General Assembly has been, I mean, sort of, the segregation angle is one of the is sort of one of the big topics we've talked about here on the show. I mean, what are your thoughts about these kinds of moves?
3: I think the segregation piece is the most critical in what we're seeing in these school district secession movements, which are happening across the country. There are um, 71 secessions across the country wow. that have been attempted. 47 have been completed. And the consistent theme we see is... A segregation by race and class, as you mentioned, in all these districts, typically uh, motivated by um, wealthier white communities seeking to withdraw from more racially diverse, economically diverse, uh, larger systems. Right. And it's interesting because in North Carolina, one of the successes of integration was recognized by the fact that we had these countywide districts that is um, in North Carolina, because we had countywide districts, it became less likely that that white flight could be utilized to avoid integration. so one of the Charlotte Mecklenburg, which you mentioned is pointed as at as one of the great examples it's well recognized that because it was a unified district that's why integration was so successful right. Similarly, in North, you know, we had the trend in North Carolina has been towards consolidation as a tool of integration. We went
1: 165, 170 school districts in the early 60s to we have 115 right now.
3: That's right. And and in many of those, including in Wake County, including in Pitt County, including in Durham County, the primary motivation or one of the primary
1: motivations was addressing the continuing segregation. Right. Now, one of the things, Mark, that I... Talking about, I mean, look, like segregation, resegregation. I mean, this is um, this is pretty loaded stuff. I mean, it can be uncomfortable. We have a lot of uncomfortable conversations on this show about race, but the you know, because because we think, like we believe also that parents should have choices, and that parents obviously um, they know what's best for their children, and if they want to make those decisions, they should be able to do that. But I guess as a as a community, as a society, as a state, sort of, how do you balance that um, with understanding that? segregated schools, just the research, just don't work for really all students. They don't work for uh, black students, uh, Latino students, white students. The the integrated schools are a much better model. I mean, the research is pretty clear.
3: That's absolutely right. And I think one of the problems is we have gotten into a point where inclusion and diversity has been pitted against accountability and outcomes, as if they are mutually exclusive, when, in fact, what all the research shows is that students learn better in diverse settings. All students learn better. And that students and their families are resources to each other. So while we we emphasize and as the role parents play and we encourage, we want parents to do what's in the best interest of their children, we reward that. Um, That can't be at the expense of the collective good, of which education is probably the primary one in our community. And so what we're doing with these uh, school district secessions is we're allowing um, wealthier uh, communities to pull their resources, to pull public resources away from the collective um, and
1: to further cement the advantages that those communities already have. Right. That's what you and I talked before we started uh, taping, uh, this being the 50th anniversary of uh, Dr. King's assassination. He was watching a program just last night when they was talking about his work in Chicago near the latter part of his life around housing laws. And so what we see is we're still living in, and we'll, I want to talk briefly about, about Halifax County, a lot of our neighborhoods are still vestiges of those old red lines, the old sort of uh, unfair housing. And so you don't have to really be for segregated schools, but if you have neighborhood schools, just because of the historical patterns, they're going to be segregated. That's right, I mean, we, we have a, a, a
3: burden to achieve diversity in schools because we live in, still live in segregated communities. I mean, the problem with neighborhood schools as an idea is that we live in segregated neighborhoods. Right. And so unless we're gonna replicate those um, segregated patterns in our schools, We've got to take affirmative steps to achieve that kind of diversity and to bring our students together. And that's what, um, unfortunately, school
1: districts have moved away from. All right. Last one. Just for the, as it, to wrap it up. Talk, tell me a little bit about your case. You're going to be, um, you're, you're the lead attorney for a case in Halifax County representing Um, African-American families. Tell me a little bit about that and what are any parallels you see here?
3: Yes, it's particularly interesting with this case coming at the same time the legislature is talking about potentially breaking up school districts. Halifax County is a rural county in northeastern North Carolina, one of the poorest counties in the state. Um, and they have three separate school districts that serve just over 6,000 students. Uh, two of those districts are uh, overwhelmingly African American, hypersegregated. One of the districts is um, overwhelmingly white. And so you've got um, this racial division there, and you've also got socioeconomic stratification. And all three of the districts are underperforming, are low performing. And so uh, we've been working in Halifax for several years with parents, with community. Activists with the local NAACP chapter about um, the fact that students in all three districts are not getting the constitutionally required sound basic education,
1: and that's the heart of your challenge. Right? It's not really here's the remedy, but we're saying they're not meeting the demands and we are meeting the needs of the children. Right? That's right. The, the The case is about is a Leandro
3: case, saying that the county commissioners, um, by continuing to prop up this tripartite system, are Inefficiently allocating the limited resources they have
1: and as a result students are not getting a sound basic education So we're going to be watching that case because I think uh, You know it does I think uh, you know it's, it's going to be important for Leandra but for also this I guess sort of the last word for you Sort of how do you think this plays into what's going on in Wake and Mecklenburg County? Is it the same thing? Is it is it different? I mean sort of where would you see this going? I believe it's the same thing. I think what you're seeing is um, pressure
3: it from, you know, predominantly white, um, be- uh, wealthier suburban families and, and political a- uh, leaders to to withdraw from the public space. And ironically, to withdraw from the public space, but to take the public funds with them right, right. to to prop up that, um, that, what will be that exclusive system. And so not only will you have, as Representative Beasley said, these have and have nots, you'll have these more advantaged, uh, suburban districts and you'll have the folks who are left behind in the countywide districts with less resources
1: to serve what will likely be higher need students. Right, right. Well look, we appreciate uh, you coming on the show today to talk about it. It's going to be interesting to watch um, how your case unfolds and keep a high on what's going on here at the legislature. So Mark, thanks for being on today. It's been my pleasure. Appreciate it. All right, after the break, this week's Leadership Spotlight. Each week, Education Matters spotlights individuals demonstrating exceptional leadership in education in North Carolina based on nominations from you, our viewers. This week, we spotlight Joanna Hunt, principal of Tanglewood Elementary School in Lumberton.
4: Being the number one school in the county comes with a lot of hard work. The county, the district, the state has high expectations for this school to maintain um, that producing these students um, and these test scores, if, it, if we realize reading scores have been dropping or that we're decreasing, we make sure we fine-tune that professional development and we target the reading so that we can increase whatever areas of weakness that we have. So Miss Hunt, before the EOG, brings students in, conferences with them, talks about her expectations, you know, kind of goes over their prior um, test scores and, you know, expectations for the next one and encourages them. And those students that meet those expectations, a lot of times they'll have some kind of incentive at the end of the year, and last year was pie-throwing. And so she put herself right out there to be um, pied by the students, which was a big hit in the school. I try to make sure I build relationships because I found out once a person knows I believe in them they would do anything for me. If we have a child that maybe is struggling in one area, it's not uncommon for her to meet with a child, set some goals, check in on them, see how they're doing, or a child that all of a sudden has grown as a reader, it's not uncommon for her to pull them aside and read with them and make them feel confident. All the things that you would want in a principal, in an administrator, in a leader, she she has those things.
1: If you know someone that deserves to be recognized, visit our website, ncforum.org, and click on Education Matters, and you'll find a link to nominate someone in your community. After the break, this week's final word. The study committee exploring breaking up large school districts was created by House Bill 704, introduced by Representative Bill Brawley, a Republican from Charlotte. The committee is holding its fourth meeting this week with a final report due May first. Now we don't know yet what the final report will say, but based on the first three meetings, the committee looks more and more like a solution in search of a problem. Expert after expert have come before the committee detailing how breaking up large school districts may lead to litigation will be less efficient, will cost more, and that there's scant or no evidence that smaller districts will lead to improved student performance. Other than that, it's a great idea. The one area where not a single expert witness has been called or testimony sought is the one that seems to have the clearest evidence. Breaking up districts will increase segregation of our schools. I mean, the fact is, we're already heading in the wrong direction in places like Charlotte breaking up the district, or even worse, carving out those more white and affluent suburbs so they can create their own taxpayer-funded personal charter school districts, will permanently undo the progress we've made as a state. And it is progress. Students in integrated schools have higher average test scores, are more likely to enroll in college, and less likely to drop drop out. You know what else it does? It prepares our children for the real world and success in a diverse and ever-smaller global economy. And in the end, isn't that what our schools are supposed to do? That's it for this week's show. Make sure you tune in next week when we talk about school funding. Thanks for watching and we'll see you next week.